0: Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor in play betting.
1: Watch the action, predict the action, and make your best bet with the latest odds on over 1,000 daily events. 18 plus, be NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away.
2: Welcome everyone to the Blue Day podcast and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a Blue Day. I am your host, Keith Lawrence. Here to join me is my co-host. He is the Londoner living it large up north. He's the governor when it comes to the Chelsea tickets.
0: It's Warren. Warren, welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you very much Keith, what a fantastic introduction, very nice there, hello everybody, welcome. What we're going to
2: talk about on this particular podcast today, we're going to talk about the preview of the first game of the season against Brighton, that's coming up next Monday night but we're also going to talk about our expectations of the season, so where we feel the Chelsea team will finish, and we'll talk about the players' incoming and outgoings. There may be a rant or two as well, possibly, um, delve into that. And also, we're going to talk about, to end the show today, we're going to talk about our first Chelsea experience and memory. So we're going to uh, delve into the archive, so to speak, and talk about my first game and we're also going to talk about my co-host's first game as well so Warren as I've just said well so do you know what this podcast is about for the upcoming season and beyond
0: yeah yeah well I mean I suppose from uh I suppose my angle of it is just that I'm going to be enjoying previewing games and talking about games gone by and you know all of the ins and outs and the dealings of Chelsea Football Club day to day also going to be very interested to see how any of our potential listeners are feeling, and I'm going to be very interested to get their feedback. Um, I think it's always good to get, I think that sometimes we're blinded a little bit by social media. I think sometimes social media blinds us from certain things that are going on and certain people's opinions, and I think this is going to be a really good opportunity for people, an outlet, you know, for people to, you know, provide their feedback, and hopefully, you know, we can incorporate it in the show and stuff, and, yeah, you know, get the feelings of real Chelsea fans out there everywhere, like you said, all over the world, potentially, you know, so. Well, for me, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, no,
2: I, I totally concur with that. I mean, for me, this podcast that, uh, you know, uh, we have set up, for me, it's giving real Chelsea fans a voice and it's providing content that is unique for their hearing pleasure and experience. So if you wish to actually want to get involved in this podcast, you can. You see, we are not like Sky. We're not like Talksport. You know, we're not. We want to hear from Chelsea fans, real passionate Chelsea fans that are the heartbeat and backbone of Chelsea Football Club. So if you have any particular views and opinions that you want to share or in fact you agree or disagree with our comments or views, then feel free to get in touch with us on the Blue Day podcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook called the Blue Day podcast. We would love to hear from you. Get your views and comments in. We will air them on the show, explicit or not. So, we want you to be part of the show, so, in regards to this season let's 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 start let 's start with the upcoming season, my friend, so we're going to talk about the signings that we've made so, in your opinion, Warren, talk about the incomings that we've that we've brought in the players that we've brought in, the money that we've brought in what's your opinion on you know our acquisition so
0: far? Well, obviously, I mean, I think that all Chelsea fans everywhere um are very, very excited about the signings we have made some Key marquee signings, signings of intent, you know, and I think that I think that's the point. You know, we've made signings of intent. You know, I mean, I mentioned to you briefly the other day, Keith, that 18 months ago, maybe two years ago, we was interested in Callum Wilson from Bournemouth, who is, you know, he's a fine footballer. You know, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna knock him. He's a Premier League standard footballer, and I should imagine he'll play Premier League football for many, many years. But I don't want to sign Callum Wilson. I want to sign Timo Werner. I want to sign Kai Havertz. Yes. You know, what I mean, these are the people yes. that. Are, I want to be signing. I want to have people like, you know, When we at the time we had Eden Hazard in our team and some other world top well class players, obviously. In the end, we ended up signing Giroud and what a fantastic signing he turned out to be. But um, yeah, I, I'm very, very excited. I think all Chelsea fans are very excited about the intent of the players that we're signing. Um, I think that we've strengthened in, in every position apart from the goalkeeper, which has surprised me a little bit. I thought the goalkeeper was going to be, people would have been signed by now, to be honest with you. I think it takes a little bit of time for a keeper to incorporate himself into a team. And yep. we're in the start of the season, so I'm surprised about that. Not necessarily 100% disappointed, I may add, which is a bit controversial, because I know that 99% of Chelsea fans want Kepa out. But yeah, fantastic. I mean, I'm so, you, I mean, Keith, you must be so excited about seeing Werner and Havertz and Zayek and, you know, Chiwo at the back and Silva. I mean, how do you feel about it? With Timo Werner and Kai Havertz,
2: I think it's a recipe for disaster for the other teams. Um, I. Put it this way, I would not want to be the Brighton defence the night before the game. They they are going to have sleepless nights. I I thought of that film Sleepless in Seattle. I think it's going to be a remake called Sleepless in Brighton. Yeah. Because there's going to be many, many um, Chelsea fans excited with this style of football that could happen with Havertz, yeah. Werner, Ziitch, Pulisic as well, that many people, you know, are excited to look at what now as well. You know, having him on one side, Ziyich on the other, you know, Havertz maybe incorporated as a ten with Werner up top. Who knows? Who knows what Frank you know, who knows what Frank's um got up his sleeve. But I'll tell you one thing, I think Frank's more happy this season than I think he was at the start of last season, in my opinion.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the, the thing is, I don't think the two pre-seasons are sort of like comparable. I think, I think that he would have been as happy as he could have been. In fact, I think that he would have been even happier than he thought he could have been. I mean, I know that we had a dreadful opening day, but to have come into a club with a transfer and embargo and all of a sudden it's like, right, you've got a load of 18-year-olds that you've got to go out and play and we want to, you know, we want Champions League football and we want to win a trophy and you know, we want to play fantastic football and we want to entertain the fans. I think that day one, with the squad in the shape that it was in, uh, I think that he would have been absolutely ecstatic with the likes of Tamori and Tammy and Mount and you know Gilmore pushing through, Reese James and you know like one or two of the others that came back into the fold after having little injuries and stuff. Um, I think he would have been absolutely ecstatic. I really do. Pulisic obviously making a big splash when eventually when he came. Um, I think, yeah, he's really... He's put his stamp on the team now. It feels like a Frank Lampard and Jody Morris team now. I mean,
2: I agree with that. But my only concern in regards to this season is, I, I believe, most, like any other Chelsea fans, we do need a new goalkeeper. Um, I don't want us to be, in the last weeks of the window, searching the bargain buckets for goalkeepers. <laughs> I want us to get a real McCoy, you know, that oh, R- rolls-royce goalkeeper somebody that is going to command their area actually catch the ball which you know unfortunately we're relying on you know kepper who seems like he's got holes in his hands mm-hmm. and with all due respect to him a 38 year old goalkeeper so that's that's my concern the other concern i've got which i think some people may have overlooked some people may sort of maybe find it controversial. Is the Thiago Silva signing? Now, I've got no doubt that his leadership qualities is second to none. I think, you know, his leadership qualities probably is linked to Marcel Desailly, in a way. You know, that stature, that that, yeah, to, yeah. that type of person. A beast. A beast of a, beast of a defender. The
0: 100 metres in 10 seconds flat, yeah.
2: <laughs> My main concern is, and this you know just probably comes with the territory, is the age. Yeah. He's 36. Yeah. He's not going to be playing... I can't imagine with the standard of the Premier League, the pace of the Premier League, that he's going to be playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday. I can't see it. So how's Frank going to work that one out? Because then there will be games he will have to play the same defensive partnership we had last season that conceded 54 Premier League goals last season. So that's my concern. So if we get another centre-back, either Declan Rice... We're going to talk about that not today, but we may talk about that further down the line. But that would be my concern with the, would be the Thiago Silva signing. Has he brought him in to be the voice in the
0: changing room or voice on the pitch or both? Um, I think with Thiago Silva, I think that the way that you could slightly combat his age and the adjustment period to the pace of the Premier League and stuff like that, and the, the, the competitive nature of the Premier League, obviously coming from Paris Saint-Germain and playing... Too decent and too half decent and then the rest, you know, load of shit teams every year until you play the Champions League games. I think mm. that it's going to be a little bit of a, a culture shock, you know, when you're turning up to Burnley and Southampton and Fulham and whoever else and blah, blah, and they give you really tough games. But I think that the way that you could combat Thiago Silva's age and be able to play him in a lot more games is by... Depending on what formation we play, because if we was to play with wing backs, Thiago Silva hasn't got to do half as much work as if we play four. At the that back. is
2: true. Yes.
0: Like I mean, if you look at David Luiz and Aspillaqueta, and you look at other people that have played in that three at the back, um, John Terry, Gary Cahill, over the last sort of five or six years since Conte sort of reintroduced it, then it has prolonged players' careers. I mean, Gary Cahill was. I mean, I mean, obviously he's always been loved and he's always given a hundred percent. But there was one or two questions over Gary Cahill, especially at the start of the first con season. I remember the Arsenal game in particular, and the Liverpool games that we lost back to back. And he was yes. and really bad. Yes. And then he went into a three, and he was, you know, the best he, apart from Aspidequeta, who, by the way, at left centre back of a three, Aspidequeta is as good as anybody else in Europe on his day when he was playing there a few years ago, for sure. Anyway, um, so I think formation can combat that a little bit. I think the fact that we would fancy ourselves to have a large portion of possession in most games of the season will, will help that as well. I also think that you won't see Thiago Silva playing in the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup particularly. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I can't
2: see that either, to be honest. Yeah,
0: so um, I'm not overly concerned about his age, to be honest with you. I I think that Frank Lampard, as a player who played until his mid-30s, would have seen in Thiago Silva what he needs to see from Thiago Silva to know that he can play a full season if necessary at centre-back.
2: One player that we have missed... Um, in regards to the signings, has been Ben Chilwell. Now, I just want to sort of talk about it just a little bit in regards to a lot of the feedback that Chelsea have received on social media and what I've heard as well through the grapevine. You know, many people are not happy with this Ben Chilwell signing. They're thinking he can't defend. He's great going forward, but he can't defend. He's the same as Marcus Alonso. Let me just put it into perspective for those Chelsea fans that are a little bit, Worried, concerned that we've maybe overspent on a 20. Bearing in mind, he's 23 years old, mm-hmm. so he may have another decade at the
0: top. I mean, look what happened to Ashley Cole. Not to, um, mean, not not, to, not to mention, sorry, not. to cut you in there, Keith, but not to mention that at 23 years old, had, has he finished his development? He's been playing at Leicester, who are consistently a very good side, but who's to say that coming in and playing with well class players in a world class manager isn't going to further his development to the point that we was like wow we would have paid 100 million for him yes he hasn't finished developing he's 23 you know exactly
2: (laughs) and for me he is now england's first choice left back i can't see anybody else taking that place from him for a long long time so for 50 million pounds i'm not saying it's a bargain not at all but i think it's a i think it's an investment going forward Mm -hmm. whereby We've got that position covered. I believe Ben Chilwell is much better than Alonso going forward and coming back, tracking back
0: as yes. much as anything else. Is Absolutely, this position-wise, tracking back. I mean, like Alonso getting exposed away to West Ham is the best example of that. Yes, and you know, I the believe- Yarmolenko, you know, so that's the best. I don't think that happens with Ben Chilwell. I think Ben Chilwell is already 15 yards further back than Alonso would have. And I think that he covers off that pass and we don't lose that game. That's well, first it. of all, Ben Chilwell probably would have ran yeah, rather than
2: Alonso jogging. But I also yeah. believe that he is much better than Emerson, who I I like him. But for me, he's not a Premier League fullback. I think he needs to go back to Italy you know, and become a better player in that country, in that style of... Football. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I, I, on the first day last season, Emerson started at left-back at Old Trafford last season when we lost mm. 4-0. <clears throat> and to be fair, Aaron wan is a very good right-back and he's a good attacking full-back. And, you know, there were 75,000 areas. His debut, he was up for it. But if a right-back makes you as a left-back look as, as Aaron wan made Emerson look that day, then... And then to have never performed better throughout the whole season than he did that day means that he's not good enough to play for a team that wants to challenge for the title. He, You know, he's just not good enough. He won't get near our squad. Even if we didn't sell him, he wouldn't get near our squad this season, I don't think. I think you can say that about a
2: lot of players. And, you know, we are now going to talk about the players that have departed or ones that are rumoured to be departed. Now, again, I've, I've heard through the grapevine. I've got a couple of sauces out in Italy at the moment. I don't mean the tomato sauce or barbecue sauce. Um, Proper journalists who know their stuff, unlike Sky Sports, um, that Timmy Bakioko deal is now in the balance. Apparently, you know, we're trying to sell him permanently. Milan don't want to pay want to $32 They want a loan with, you know, the view of... Uh, the history, yeah. And apparently Bakioko wants to go. He wants to go to Milan. Good luck to him. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily...
0: Three years now, hasn't it? Three years he's been there.
2: Uh yes, we signed him 2017. Is it 17
0: under Conte? Yeah,
2: it was the summer of 2017, and yeah. I think he has he's only had one season with us, and he's been out on loan for the other two. Yeah. You know, um, again, decent player, not the best central midfielder we've ever had or will likely to have, but he he did do a job in my opinion. Ooh. Crap one.
0: Do we do we know that? Have we have, have we as Chelsea fans seen much of him at Milan in the last couple of years? Because they love him. Yeah, much well, slower pace of game. Much slower pace of game. That's where he got caught out. That's I where think... Jorginho got caught out in his first season was the pace of the English game.
2: Yes. Yes. Um, again, I can't see him ever playing for Chelsea ever again. So, you know, for us, should we cut our losses? Maybe sell him at a, a low fee? Or should we nice. put him out on loan? Give him another contract, and they may be up the price. Who knows? But for me, I think Beckyoko will definitely go. Um, Mishi Bashuai is an interesting one. Now,
0: you know, talk of him staying.
2: There isn't. Well, there, there is. There is now talk of him staying, which I'm quite surprised about. I like him. I will always be grateful and indebted to him for scoring that goal at West Brom away. A very good striker that, that good for, for us as a
0: club. Turns and shoots. He's he, he's that mold of striker that. You feed him the ball. And whereas Giroud, who you can score goals, will look to pop it off and link up play and try and get in, Bashuai will get the ball, turn and shoot. And I like that about him. He's so direct. Turn and shoot all the time.
2: Mishi Bashuai, I believe in the the amount of seasons we've had him, I don't believe we have ever played to his strengths. We've never used him like He's that. not a target man.
0: No. Is he? But he's quick.
2: He's a quick player. He does know where the goal is, believe it or not. Although some of the misses he has done in the past will t- probably tell you differently. But he knows where the goal is. He's a very clinical finisher on his day. Yeah. Um. You know, there That's is talks that we are going to give him a new contract.
0: Had a good spell at Palace when he went out on loan. I think Palace, when he was at Palace, Palace won something like eight of 13 games and he scored in nine... He had a reasonable good good goal Bill. scoring record, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, him, him and Wilf had like a really good like little relationship down there and it was good to see actually you know it was good to see him getting a run of games and seeing what he could do well in regards
2: to the amount of games he will play i can't see him playing much at all so i think it'll be a case of we'll give him a contract with a view of up in his market price because he's yeah, lo- lo- loaning into a t- his
0: contract runs into, out 20- does really well there and yeah
2: his contract runs out 2021 so you know i think that's more of a club decision and more of a business a financial business decision um you know obviously pedro has gone
0: willian is
2: gone i think many people will be disappointed
0: disappointed about willian i mean I'm, I'm i'm over it and i'm looking to the future and i understand frank's mentality in it i don't think it's the wrong decision necessarily but personally as a huge willian fan and i do say willian because i think it's hilarious uh, as a huge willian fan i'm disappointed i love him i love his hair i love the style of play i love his song I think it just fits so perfectly because we're taking the piss out of the scum. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I, I'm really disappointed that William's gone. I'm also very disappointed that he's gone to a, a rival London Premier League club. You see, I'm completely different on that. I don't care that he's
2: gone to Arsenal. He, William, for me, um, disappointed me last season. I know the stats may say different, and Sky Sports will say that well, William had a fantastic season for us. And he of the was. Season. He was the one that was supposed to help mould the young guys that came into the team together. He was the one that was meant to step up, you know, when when um, I nearly said Havertz when Eden Hazard left. He was the one that was meant to step up, you know, take the ball by the bollocks and run with it in regards As, to the season. But and he didn't do it. Maybe the one time he did, he scored two against Tottenham, which won us the game. But coincidentally, I was there that day. You was there that day, wasn't you? Yes, yes. Unfortunately, not all of us had the opportunity to get tickets for that. But anyway, you you only had to wait four more days. Well, they don't call you the governor when it comes to Chelsea tickets for nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, by by the way, I will be advertising his services. If you need any Chelsea tickets, I will sort out his contact details and I will put him on the uh, Facebook page. For your pleasure, in regards to Chelsea tickets, because believe you me, he is the governor when it comes to Chelsea tickets, home or away, or even European. So, but 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 back to William. For me, I don't think it's a necessarily a loss. No,
0: um, no, no, neither do I. It's a. In regard,
2: you know, my feelings towards him probably changed under Conte when it was a case of he he had a falling out with the manager, and you know, for me, I thought Conte was right in that in that. Uh, Predicament, but needless to say, William stayed, Conte left, and William done well for us as a player. You know, I will always remember him as a Chelsea player. But to be honest, you know, going to the retirement home down the Emirates, it's, you know, it's not all bad. He's not going to score a hat against us, ladies and gentlemen. Say, you know, I'm he, glad
0: that he's gone, I'm glad that he's gone somewhere. That he's not going to be more successful than us. No, I will say that. No, and I will to, say that.
2: And to put it mildly, you know, he wants to stay in London, he wants to keep his family in London. I haven't got a problem with that. He wants to go to Arsenal. It was
0: Arsenal or Tottenham, wasn't it? That, that, that's it thing. was Arsenal
2: or Tottenham and to be positive he made the right choice. <laughs> he made the right choice, you know, him in a Spurs shirt no I
0: think no. He actually made that decision. I think I actually think William Will I Am has consciously made that decision to join Arsenal and not Tottenham. Because of his love for Chelsea. You think? I, I, I well, I, I, I would. I'm a, I'm a romantic person, so I choose to believe so. I, no. I believe that Chelsea. I, I believe that Chelsea, as a football club, has had an effect on players. I mean, people talk about, people talk about, oh, like you know when players go and play for Liverpool or Man United or Juventus or Barcelona or Real Madrid, and they're talking about that, like they fell in love with the place, and like even though they grew up as a fan of a different team, like they, that's their home, that's their club now, that's the club they want to go back to. I mean, you look at Giroud and. Ces Fabregas and Gary Cahill and people like that—people that didn't necessarily spend the longest, longest time with Chelsea—but uh, I mean, Fabregas, a, pa- a person who went, who was in the Barcelona academy, and then went to Arsenal, and then back to Barcelona, and that, that's where most of his career was and most of his success was. But he says Chelsea feels like home, you know. And he—he absolutely—he was absolutely adored. I mean, he really was mad. And he really did have a magic fucking hat. He was an astonishing footballer. (laughs) And it was a pleasure to have watched him play. A genuine pleasure. He was an astonishing footballer. There's something about this club. It just, it's the Chelsea disease. It's the Chelsea love. You know, they said that about, you know, the headhunters years ago the Chelsea disease, the Chelsea love. On all their and all their loyal I wouldn't and say real.
2: the word disease um, so loud, considering this COVID <laughs>
0: still about, you know. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, people, people might take
2: that a few uh, differently. But, you know, yes, yeah, so the players that we've brought in, I think, you know, of, as, as you said, statement of intent. I think there'll be a lot of teams looking at us thinking, shit. We now have, you know, we've now got something to be concerned with.
0: Are your friends, are your friends not messaging you saying the same thing? Your Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham friends, are they not messaging you saying fucking hell, Chelsea.
2: Um I think they're either hiding behind the couch, you know, being concerned with who they're bringing in. Um, yeah, but the- but I think that is a good segue, actually, talking about other teams to go, you know, for our expectations this season. Yeah, you know, so, you know, we're now going to talk about maybe for 10, 15 minutes, you know, where we feel Chelsea will finish up. I just want to sort of start off, you know, looking at the teams around us. Do I think we'll win the league this season? No, I just want to put that out there straight off. I don't think we'll win the league this season. Do I think we'll be close to Liverpool Man City? Yes. Do I still think we'll be in the title race February, March? Yes, but I don't think we'll win it. Um, you know, I'm looking at the other teams around us. Who who it's, it's a case of an I, I I will look at it like I did last season. Who do I fear for this season? You know, do I fear Man United a little bit? You know, I think that Van Den Beek signing, you know, talk about statement of intent, I think it's very good. And for Forty they're improving. Million,
0: they're a young team as well.
2: Forty Mill oh. is is for me is a snip. Young I think team. their defence the
0: still needs young manager.
2: They're, yes, I think their defense still needs work. And Warren, I don't know about you. Arsenal and Tottenham. If you've got, you know, if and for those of you out there that have got friends that are Arsenal Tottenham fans, you can you can say this as well. You can say the Blue Day Podcast said this. I do not fear them this season. I have no concerns whatsoever that they are going to finish above us this season. No. I think Mourinho is working his special agent. Magic on Tottenham. I think he's making them worse than what they were when he turned up. And in regards to Arsenal, they're a one-man team with Aubameyang, who won the cup for him last season. You know, other than that, who else have Arsenal got?
0: I, One, I agree. Do you I, agree? I, I actually, I mean, I was sort of waiting for you to make a point that I didn't really agree with, and it didn't sort of happen. Um, yeah, absolutely, you're <laughs> right. Man United. I, I, I think I don't fear Man United, but I, I I'm watching. Their progress because they obviously have progressed massively in the last few years, which um, and we discussed earlier that it sort of all started under Mourinho. And actually, maybe for, day for another podcast. What a good job Mourinho did at Man United, and I'm not taking a piss. Um, but yeah, so like it is really. Uh, I'm watching. Their, I'm watching their progress with a uh, with a keen eye because they keep progressing the way they are. They're sort of progressing along with us. So yeah, Man United for sure. Tottenham and Arsenal. I mean, the thing is, I fear anybody on their day. Like, you know, as a one-off match, I fear anybody. But over the course of the season, no, I don't see Arsenal and Tottenham being strong enough to push anywhere near where we're going to be pushing. I think Leicester are going to drop back. I think, you know, Sheffield... I mean, the thing is, Tottenham and Arsenal may finish in similar positions that they did this season because teams like Leicester and Sheffield United are not going to quite finish as high. So... Quite possibly. Arsenal and Tottenham, they sort of, sort of gain those positions back sort of by default almost. Which kind of default puts us in third or fourth, I guess as well. So that's where we need to move on from. That needs to be the difference between us and Tottenham. Tottenham and Arsenal are going to stagnate where they are and just sort of like stand still and you know, they might have a decent cup run or a little run in Europe or something possibly which, you know, this place, they probably won. Um But that's sort of the best that they can hope for. The best that Arsenal and Tottenham can hope for is fi- finishing a position or two higher and make, like, you know, if, if they was to get Champions League it would be like the most immense thing ever. They would, you know, be partying on the streets quite literally if they got Champions League. Whereas, if we finish second or third and are in the title race, we'll be like, right, good, we're ready to go for next season. And it's the club mentality. We're we're a winning club now. That's just the way that it is. We've been very, very successful for 20 plus years. Um, We've been regularly, regularly, regularly making FA Cup finals since 1994. Can't think of a time, apart from between 2002 and 2007 I can't think of a Four year period Where we haven't been In the FA Cup Or won it or something You know Mm. Um, Mm. We're a huge club Arsenal and Tottenham Have got big histories And big grounds But we're the huge club We are the pride We are the best team In London We have been The best team in London For 20 years There's been the odd season that Tottenham and Arsenal have finished above us, but we are the best team. We've had the best players. We've scored the most goals. We've got the most points. We've finished the highest. We've won the most trophies. We are the best in London. We represent the South compared... like The North has got Man United and Liverpool. Now the South has really, really got its own pride. The South has got its own pride in Chelsea now. And it's just a shame that everyone hates us so much because we're fucking...
2: I could not have put it better myself. Listen, in regards to, you know, our our expectations, I I personally believe we will finish third or fourth. I think it will be us or Man United getting the last two Champions League places. Arsenal, Tottenham will be down to the uh, Europa League places, maybe Leicester, but again, you know, who knows? But for us this season, and I think a lot of it is going to be different from last season, for us, I don't want us to look down. I want us to look up. I right. want us to look at City. I want us to look at Liverpool.
0: And right. I said, sorry to cut you off there, Keith. No, I, said no, no, I said this in January, in February. Leicester were on that they was just about to go on their like little bad run. Leicester. They would come off of a good run, but Man City were dropping quite a lot of points. And, they, and you hmm. know, Liverpool built that gap sort of like eight to about twenty something points over the course of about five or six weeks. And people were saying, oh, Man United are, are sort of almost catching us up. And it's like, wait a minute, I'm not even looking at Leicester, I'm looking at Man City because there was still, at that point, there was still 15 games left. The way that I see it, I don't expect us to win 15 out of 15, but there's 45 points on offer mm. and Man, United, Man City and Leicester are dropping points at such a rate that we have to look up. We can't be looking over our shoulders. You have to, you have to move forward. Liverpool are looking over their shoulders at the minute. Mm. Liverpool is a football club fans, their players, their manager, their directors, everything about Liverpool at the minute is looking over their, their shoulders and we are literally reaching out trying to grab them we have the momentum despite the fact that they're champions they were champions europe and champions of england it feels like we've got the momentum at the
2: moment liverpool are the team to beat i think man city will run them close but the one thing that i will not swap any other club for is the coach super frank What's your expectations on him this season? Because I'll, 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 I'll talk about mine, but I just want to get your thoughts on Frank no.
0: Lampard. Do you think that he will have a successful season or not? Well, firstly, I think that by spending the money that he's spent on the players that he's spent it on and having had, what anyone says, an extremely successful first season, I don't need to go into the details of why with the transfer embargo, the youth, the this, the that, all these losing hazard, blah, 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 blah right? Everybody knows all that. Right, So I don't need to go into that. But the amount of pressure that he's under, the grace and the confidence and the excitement that he has, despite the pressure that he is so clearly under, and the, the pressure is... I don't think that we can begin to understand it. Uh, um, I think he is going to handle the pressure. I think we are going to have a good season. I think he is going to have a good enough season where he's going to be under no realistic pressure, if that makes sense. I think that's the kind of... See, I think that whatever happens, he won't be under any pressure from the board or anything. You'll have the plastic, fickle fans that, you know, always wanted him out and always will and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I don't, as much as, like I said earlier, I want lots of feedback and lots of opinions. And even if people want Frank out for whatever reason, I want them to get in touch and give their opinions 100%. I don't think that built us up to board level. You, do you know what I mean? Because it's not really the fans as a mass. It's not the, the real fans that are there every week that support Frank and, like, blah, blah, blah. I think that that's where the support comes from and that's what the board realises. So I don't think. Frank's going to be under any particular pressure unless we, you know, like finish eighth or something. Um, I don't feel like Frank's going to be under pressure for his job. I think he is going to have a successful season. I think second or third has to be, well, the, the winning the league has to be the aim, but the minimum expectation because of the money that's been spent and what a fantastic manager he is and what a brilliant coach Jody Morris is, by the way. Um,
2: Jody Morris has been key. You know, Absolutely. hugely to Frank Absolutely. Lampard's success this, you know, last season and even Pivotal. this summer. Pivotal.
0: Our, our best signing so far, along with Frank, has been Jody Morris. Agreed. Agreed. Absolutely. So the two of them together, I think that the, the, the realistic expectation has to be second or third. I think that we have to... It's not so much about when we go out in the Champions League or if, yeah, you know, but if we do go out in the Champions League, I don't think it's about when we go out you know, obviously we have to get through the group stage, but I don't think it's about when we go out, because we went out the second round this year, which wasn't disappointing, because we went out to the best team in Europe. Yes. Right? Yes. So, by far the best team in Europe as well. So, and we gave it a good go, right? So, I don't think it's about when, I think it's about competing at the next level. I think it's about other teams playing us in the Champions League this year, and then the next year being, fucking, I want to avoid them. for, te- for I'll tell you what, for, for 10, 12 years... Chelsea were up there consistently as one of, if not the most feared team in Europe. And I yes. want to get, I want to be back, I want to be working our way back towards that. So we need to see a steep progression in our competitiveness against the better teams in the Champions League. I think that's key. Um, I think that's key to the success of Frank Lampard moving forward. Attracting players, keeping the ball behind him, keeping the fans behind him, keeping the success ticking over, you know. I mean, I know we didn't win the FA Cup final last year, but we're still a huge, huge club because we make Cup finals every year and we usually win them and we Exceed our own expectations Let alone everybody else's So consistently So consistently That it's it's been unrivaled By anybody Man United have had spells Man City have had spells Liverpool have had spells Chelsea have always been there In the last 15, 20 years So um, yeah I think he's going to have A really good set What do you think? I mean You've sort of already said that you, Where you think we're going to finish But how do you see Frank's season go in?
2: For me this is a big one um,
0: I think he had a Free pass last
2: season eO in certain quarters, yeah. yeah for me, and this is from the mentality that I was raised on, and from what I've seen from the club for many many years, he has to win something, yeah it is important for Frank to cement his legacy as a manager, not not as a player, but he needs to cement his legacy as a coach. By winning trophies with this
0: club. Doing something, there, that, for example, Pochettino did not do at Tottenham. Pochettino, that's, the, that's the difference between Chelsea and Tottenham, and that has to be reflected in our manager.
2: Pochettino was very good with developing players and making them better. Frank Lampard's doing the same at Chelsea, but the difference with that is we need to win something. You know, I was a bit disappointed with the UEFA Super Cup last season against yeah. Liverpool. I was extremely disappointed with the FA, like thousands of other Chelsea fans. I was hugely disappointed with the FA yes. Cup final. But you know, this season coming up with the sign again with the signings we're making, there has to be an expectation. We have to win something. You know, whether it's the League Cup, FA Cup. I couldn't give a fuck what trophy yeah. it is. We need, we need to mentality. win something. I'm not. Look, I'm not. Again, I'm not expecting to win the Champions League this season because you know there are about three or four better teams out there you just look at the team that's won it by a Yeah, they're just a machine i think
0: there's probably more than that i think there's probably half a dozen seven eight teams out there that are really a lot further along in their progression and the development as teams and their coaches and stuff i think that we're just a little bit far behind
2: well i'll put it out there now and again you know people might think that i'm either you know Snorting the crazy stuff or something, but I think that we can beat Barcelona if we play them tomorrow. Well,
0: oh, yeah, to be over two legs. Yeah, I think we can, um, I think Wigan can beat Barcelona for a minute. The, the Sorry, so, I really. By the way, I, I'll get. I'm getting this out of here now that I, I obviously have extremely passionate feelings about my hatred for Barcelona, as I'm sure every Chelsea <laughs> fan does. However, my 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 genuine hatred. Which is not a word I often use too often, but my really down to my core hatred for Barcelona as a football club is so deep that if ever they lose to anyone ever, I never celebrate another team. So if Chelsea needed Leicester to lose, I would never celebrate somebody scoring against Leicester. I'd never ever celebrate it. I celebrate my team's goals. But I am so happy when Barcelona lose. It's just fantastic. I hate them, what they stand for as a club, diving, asking for yellow cards all the time, cheating, horrible fucking. Oh. oh. Anyway, yeah, so fuck Barcelona. We won't
2: be doing any tours at <laughs> Barcelona it out, yeah. anytime soon. No, we won't be doing any tours around uh, round the club, but no, so that, that that that's that's my opinion. I I think yeah. that Frank needs to win something, yeah. at least be competitive throughout the Premier League season you know i'm not expecting us to be maybe one two points behind liverpool or city but uh, you know
0: but touching not 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 fifth not 15 and 20 no. you know not 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 no not. we need to be we need to be no i know what you mean if if i could give an example this is an example i gave a couple of years ago to one of my mates i said i'm not expecting us to win in the league but i want us to be close enough at the end of the season where we can pinpoint certain points in the season where so we can say when we drop points here and we drop points there. That's what really cost us. Rather than saying, well, we just wasn't good enough throughout the whole season, we can pinpoint what went wrong. You know, I want us to be within touching distance.
2: I think, you know, I think you'll be mutually agreed that it all depends on if we sign a goalkeeper. Because I think if we if we keep with Kepper, my personal opinion is all the hard work we've done bringing in Werner and Havertz will go to waste. You know, so I think it all depends on if we get a goalkeeper, if we get a goalkeeper, ladies and gentlemen, you know, that is of extreme quality, you know, as as I said before, a Rolls Royce of a goalkeeper, if we can get someone like that in, I believe we will be contenders. Other than that, you know, I think Frank's got a job on his hands to try and, you know, work on the, the defence with somebody who can't catch a ball. But, um, you know, we shall see. But listen, for next week um we are recording it today on monday our show next week will be recorded on tuesday so we will have next tuesday's podcast will be a review of the first game of the season against brighton so we will record so that sad, we, so will, we will we will record that. that on tuesday so win lose or draw you will get our reactions and we want your comments we want your views and comments and a you know your feelings, not not, not just comments, but you your feelings on the result, your feelings on our club, on Chelsea Football Club. So if you want to get in touch with us, if you want your views to be aired on the podcast, it is the Blue Day Podcast at gmail.com Email me. Listen, if you want to have swearing on the email,
0: feel free. It will be aired unfiltered. We want people's real emotions. Like I've just given a little passionate speech about Barcelona and what a bunch. Of- a fucking assholes they are so please it can be unfiltered we will you know obviously there's certain things that keith will take out you know there's certain things that we won't broadcast obviously however give or take when when we're talking about football it's unfiltered
2: we won't cut you off like sky sports or talk sport Absolutely. there you know there, there there is there is not a filter here as long as it's not political Or racial or anything along them lines, feel free to get in touch with us at the blue day podcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, the blue day podcast. Give us a like, give us a comment and then, you know, feel free to air your views. Just got some breaking news, actually. The first, first episode and typical. We've got some breaking news. I've got, um, my, my source in Italy. And again, it's not Heinz. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not barbecue or anything like that. Um, according to my source in Italy, there are, Right-back Davide Zabacosta is looking like he's going to be going to Atalanta on mm. loan for the season with a view of them buying him at the summer. His contract runs out at the end of 2022. We bought him in at the summer of 2017, didn't we? Um, exactly. you know, he, was, he was meant to be you know, our, our first choice right-back, wasn't I'll, I'll
0: he? Our really, really nippy like round-the-back right-wing-back almost in the Kyle Walker mode. It was decent. You know what, the the one thing I remember about um, Zappa Costa was he may not have been great defensively and I don't think he was particularly great at linking up with people around him but he could half-whip a decent ball in. One thing I remember about him, he was a really good crosser of a ball.
2: My favourite memory of him, I think Chelsea fans who, who were there were probably as stunned as I was, was his absolute beauty. It was a gorgeous goal against Carrier Bag in the champions league yeah. it was it, an exquisite finish you know oh, yeah. so, so something that um you know a lot of chelsea fans hopefully something will we got
0: excited about at the time like wow who have we got here like yeah
2: yeah well absolutely you know so he was an absolute you know at that time he looked as if he was going to be an, an astute signing but unfortunately injuries lack of form the normal for you know players coming over to chelsea you know, it has it hasn't worked out for him. So, for me, good luck to him. If he goes yeah. to Atalanta yeah. and plays every week, I think he he'll, he'll be at the right league. I think he'll be at yeah. the right club. And if Atalanta want to give us 20 million plus, you know, f- feel free to put I it in what we're see Roman's we're bank account.
0: I think that what Frank has done, um, which is actually been, it's gone unnoticed and it's actually been very very astute, is that. He has kept his whole squad together until he's made all of the signings that he wants to make. And not until then will he really sell anyone. He's not getting rid of anyone until he knows exactly what he's got to work with. You know, we haven't, we literally, I mean, there was talk of Christiansen, Christensen, Jorginho, Kante, Alonso, Emerson. Uh, there was talk of Giroud. There was talk of Tammy. There was talk of all these players leaving, and not one of them has. You know, there was talk of everyone going, and not one of them has, because he's waiting until all these business is done before he gets rid of it. So I think we will see a bit of an exodus of Chelsea players in the next week. I think that five or six players will leave the club by the end of the week.
2: Well, the transfer window shuts in October, so I think between now and then, I think there'll be a lot of outgoings. But you know, we'll see. So it'll be interesting to see what comes up between now and then. The next thing we're going to talk about is. So again, something as we are recording on Monday, this has, uh, happened. Ch- Chelsea, Chelsea Football Club have, uh, today launched the, our third away kit. And for those of you that have probably seen it on social media or probably seen it on, on Chelsea's megastore, um, will probably have seen the colours and have probably looked at the design. Um, before I give my views on it, and, I again, I, I will apologise in advance for the uh, foul and abusive language. Warren, would you like to give me your views on the um, colourful, let's put it that way, the colourful kit that Chelsea and Nike, you know, we will put Nike into this, have produced for us uh, for our pleasure this season?
0: Well, as a huge fan of Nike and a huge fan of Chelsea, I don't know what the fuck I've done wrong to them because... Care to elaborate? Well... Not everybody's going to like the kit. They can't make the kit to everybody's taste. Of course they can't. Um, but it's fucking horrid, isn't it? I mean, the thing is, it's not even... And, and this is the thing, right? I mean, imagine basing a kit on Barcelona, how that would make me feel, given my rant. Right? But it doesn't even look like a Barcelona top, right? Keith sent me the link for it this morning, and I was genuinely, genuinely... I beg your pardon. I was genuinely searching through the whole link for the punchline, or the meme, or the whatever, um, because I actually thought it was a Crystal Palace top. It took me a couple of goes, and a couple of links, and a couple of researches on Google to actually realise it wasn't a Crystal Palace top with a Chelsea badge that had been photoshopped onto it. It was actually Chelsea's third away. For those... And I'm not saying that... I'm not saying that... I, sorry, I don't, I'm don't. i not saying I don't like it because it looks like Barcelona because it looks like Crystal Palace. It's fucking red and blue. And I know that we have little bits of red and trim and stuff. Like, I'm wearing the 88 Commodore top now and the the lion on it is actually red right I know that we red has been as, as a trim has been associated with our club for a lot longer than probably a lot of people realize, but what are they doing who who okayed that who at some that's had to go through probably fifty different people to sign it off, probably more, probably five hundred people from the very beginning from the first design, the amount of people that are involved in the process to actually launch that kit like what is going on what is going like? Like, seriously, what are you doing? Like, I'd rather assign Chris Sutton than have that fucking kit. Like, seriously, right? I'm not even joking, mate. Right? Seriously, what are they doing? I couldn't hate Chris Sutton more, by the way. Chris Sutton and Andy Townsend, oh, let's not get them on the podcast, wankers. Chris right? Sutton's
2: but, a nice guy. He, Chris Sutton's all right. He, he said, he... I'm a nice guy. It doesn't mean
0: I'm not a knobhead, right? So, do you know what I mean? He's Chris Sutton's a knobhead. So is Andy Townsend, right? But... Different. I'm going. On, I, I hate the kit. I don't know how you feel, Keith. Well, I do know how you feel. I'm, you know, I'm, you know be sure the viewers will be interested to hear your opinion. But I, I think it's horrid. I ain't
2: going to go into depth too much with it. All, all I'm going to say is this: the guy who, uh, whether it's a guy or a woman, fuck cares. However, whoever designed it, not have any clue, any knowledge of football, has no clue on the prestige of English football would not would not have designed a kit like that for a you know for a team
0: I'm quite speechless on it there's no connect- I'm the, I'm, I'm connection I am quite there, speechless there's no connection there's no connection there, there's no Chelsea connection there there's nothing about you know there's nothing that connected it at any point in Chelsea's history there's nowhere that you can connect that top to us it's completely disconnected from us as a club it's comp- not our identity
2: let me just read what it says on the Chelsea fifth stand app. If you haven't got it on your smartphones yeah. or on your laptop devices or whatever, you know, download it. It's is, it is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, brilliant yeah. app. Yeah. 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 Let Let me just you know take the first couple of um, lines from the Chelsea uh, app when it says about the new kit. It says the third kit combines vintage club colours. Nike's sneaker heritage and a dose of 1990s nostalgia to create a fresh look for the new season. Are they fucking mad?
0: It seems as if the guy who, you know, approved the design... What's Nike's design got to do with it? Sorry, sorry. So what's Nike's design got to do with Chelsea? Like, you, you, Nike's unique design? Well, well, no, fuck Nike. It should be a Chelsea unique design. Sorry, Keith. That's just...
2: No, 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 no. All, all, all I'm going to say on the matter is this. I think the individual, and I'm not going to sort of, you know, genderise this person, the individual who has created this design has got no knowledge of English football, you know, in regards to whoever the Chelsea employee was who approved it. Shame on you. Um, But who the fuck is going to buy it? Who in their right mind in this and I will maybe go on a tandem. Who in the right mind, as a die-hard Chelsea fan who has been going to the bridge for decades, mm-hmm. is going to look at that kit and go, yeah, I like a bit of that. I do you know who
0: it. I think is going to buy it? I actually have an answer for who's going to buy it. Confused Crystal Palace fans.
2: Well, I think there
0: are many of them okay. out there. But... Well, yeah. I mean, they will go into a shop to buy the new Palace kit. And it will be, do you know It will be? It'll be a mum buying the kit for her son. The, for whatever reason, you know, whether he wants, it birthday or Christmas or something. And it will be a mum in a shop who doesn't have any idea, not necessarily a mum, a mum or a dad or anyone who doesn't know something about football, will go into a shop and see that and buy their grandchild, possibly like a nan or something, buy their grandchild for Christmas a Chelsea top thinking it's a Crystal top. I hope at some point in the future one of our listeners sees this or knows of this happening in the future and can get in touch and like get a little picture whether it's a little, little social media a link or something like that because i can honestly see that happening that's the only time i can imagine anyone buying it by mistake
2: i'll tell you what if any of you out there actually like the design and like the top get in touch tell us that you like the top show us that you like the top by wearing it or you know or actually send us a video of you buying the top you know and we will as evidence we we won't believe
0: you otherwise
2: We will air it on the Facebook page. We will put yeah. it out on the podcast. Email us at the blue Day podcast at gmail dot com with your pictures. If you happen to like the kit. If you don't like the kit, then feel free, yo, know, buy the home shirts. the home shirts are a t- like thousand times shirt. better. In fact I tell you what I it, like the it, home shirt. The home shirt's not bad, isn't it? Mm. Home shirts okay. One thing I will say before we move on on this, is that in my Opinion, my honest opinion before we move on. The people at Nike have designed this shirt not for us that go to the games week in, week out, they have designed that shirt for. The overseas Chelsea supporters that like Asia. big spark colours, the Asia...
0: I would say Asia, Asia buy into that kind of concept. Of...
2: I think there'll be huge um, sales in America and Asia for this shirt. You know, and you know, it's, it's just a shame that you know the Chelsea Football Club, and in fact, it does, Nike mean, it,
0: it, does it does mean that we can do things like spend ninety million pound on Kai Havertz though, because we make so much money off of our, our tops.
2: Well, we shall see. Who knows? I mean, you, you know, depending on the the amount of sales for this top and the amount of uh, money we could get, who knows? We might actually maybe sneak a bid in for Jadon Sancho yeah. for next summer. Maybe.
0: So we'll, that's for another day, but that's for another day. Day, 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 yeah. days for another episode. One hell on, yeah. Viewers, get your comments in about <laughs> that. Cause I've got a feeling that that's going to be a big thing on the podcast, Jadon Sancho. I will just leave it out there. Jadon
2: Sancho is a Chelsea fan. If you don't believe me, I will give you the evidence to suggest that Jaden Sancho is a Chelsea fan.
0: For example, he flies home from Germany. on, a, But before the pandemic, he flies home from Germany um, on average every seven to ten days to go to his favourite barbers in Surbiton with Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Adam hudson Adoy, Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount. They all go to the same place, which is a little town in South London for you that don't know it. It's not too far from Wimbledon and Kingston. Um, and he flies home from Germany every seven, seven to ten seven days to go to his favourite barbers with all the Chelsea boys.
2: And we have the proof to back that up. So I'm just putting it out there. Jaden Sancho is a Chelsea fan. I cannot see him going to Manchester United, so who knows? If this kit goes well and we get a, a lot of money from Nike because of this shirt sales, who knows? But in regards to talking about players... Yeah. Warren, who do you expect this season to be the standout performer? You know, so we so we talked about sort of last season, you know, disappointed well, with William. Who's your standout player that you expect for this season?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um I mean to be fair, I was thinking about this the other day. It's not something that I can particularly narrow down to like I can't sort of pinpoint a certain player. I can sort of say that I'd be interested to see Kovacic because I think that he is the way that he's developing and progressing and helping the people progress around him, I think the more that Chelsea as a team and as a club progress, I think that he's going to get better and better. I'll be interested. I, I hope Kante's going to stay. Um, I hope that maybe he's going to play a much deeper role now that we've got the top end sort of sorted out. Um, obviously, I mean, Werner, Zaheck, um I'll be interested as how often Tammy plays. I think Tammy had a great first season. It was his first full season in the Premier League. Before that, he'd played 13 or 14 games for bloody Swansea or something like thinking he was playing rugby or something I don't know um, but he scored what 16 17 Premier League goals last season a few in the Champions League and that yeah yeah so I'll be I'm excited for all of them really Pulisic I think you know the the, the glimpses of form that he showed he showed that he could be consistent but he also showed that he's quite injury prone so that's probably where he's quite young you kind of expect it when they're a bit younger but I can't really pinpoint I'm just so excited to see what Frank and Jody's team are going to do. There's always you can't. There's never a Liverpool game at Anfield when the Sky Sports camera don't pan around to Kenny Dalglish or something like. Do you know what I mean? Now Chelsea kind of have that. They kind of show Check in the stands and they're like, "There's Peter Check. You know, 500 odd games for Chelsea. He won X amount of Premier Leagues and Champions Leagues and this and goalkeeper of the season. Nobody has ever conceded fewer goals in the Premier League than Peter Check. 15 fifteen. Let's have that. People talk about Liverpool at the back and Man City at the back and all these great defenses. Fifteen. Are you having a laugh? That, that still impossible. stands to
2: this day, ladies and gentlemen. 15 is the record.
0: Ipswich and Southampton have conceded nine in a game. <gasps> like, and he conceded 15 in a whole season. Like, so anyway, but yeah, I love the fact that we've got that heritage and history everywhere now. So I'm just so excited for the whole club.
2: Really. Well, my thoughts with regards to the players, I am expecting big things from Antonio Rudiger. If he is to play week in, week out, I think that he's now been part of the club for the last couple of seasons. Yeah. I think he's ho- hopefully got used to the pace of the Premier League, although some of the performances last season didn't show that. He's a good, he's a good presence out.
0: around the club. So he I is I think. a presence I think, he's the club. I think he's massively respected as a whole in the football community, because yeah. Werner and Havertz have both said that Rudiger had a hand in them yes. coming to Chelsea because he spoke to them and stuff. So I think he's a huge presence as well. So He does need to perform on the pitch.
2: Yes, I agree. I think Mason Mount, who I personally actually voted for him as player of the season last season over Mateo Kovacic, in my personal opinion. I think Mount can improve even further. You know, it'll be interesting to see where he plays, whether he'll play further forward or actually in uh, centre midfield. I am excited to see what he does, you know, because I think there are big things to come from him. I hope Billy Gilmore recovers well from his injury yeah, you know because yeah. big that, shout out to billy gilmore mate hope your rehab's going well mate that week that he played it was you know the game he played against uh liverpool in the fa cup and then
0: everton on the weekend. and then the everton weekend.
2: in the premier league was just outstanding you know all all the the amount of money the academy has you know the, the amount of money sorry that roman has put into the academy and the amount of you know hours spent on the training pitch for these coaches who to do put in a lot of work at the, at the training ground for these young players, for a talent like that to produce oh. at eighteen years old in two games against two big teams, yeah. was outstanding.
0: Yeah,
2: just and outstanding.
0: Liverpool were, and Liverpool weren't—I mean, Liverpool weren't at absolute full strength, but they wasn't under strength.
2: No, it, it wasn't Liverpool's kids. Yeah, they, they, it was, you know, it, it, there was a Salah's mix up, but... and
0: Man Salah and Manet and Arnold and certainly played. Van Dyke certainly played. Um, I think. Adrian may have been in
2: Adrian was goal. in goal yes yeah Adrian the Williams, was in the goal
0: body, yeah but um, I think yeah yeah they had a really strong side up you know seven or eight of the premier league and champions league winning team mm. out there um I think even Jordan Henderson after the game he um a, a good friend of mine is a huge liverpool fan huge huge liverpool fan um, I mentioned to you before he's season ticket holder in the main stand at liverpool um, and he said that Jordan Henderson done a thing in on one of the you know like not the liverpool echo but like Liverpool FC or something. Something you'd only get if he was on Merseyside, basically. And somebody somebody questioned him about Billy Gilmore's performance and he said, I haven't seen a young man play like that for, for years and years and years. Mm. He was unbelievable. He bossed the game. So, yeah, like, that's... May, may, maybe Billy Gilmore may be the one that I would be most excited to see return to the Chelsea team, actually. Maybe that's sort of a... a back From back to your previous question, maybe a bit mm. of Billy Gilmore, yeah. Mm. I, I think... Possibly. He cost five hundred. He cost five hundred grand, and he's better than Zidane.
2: <laughs> maybe, maybe. Time, time, time will
0: tell on that. That's but a big shout, Zidane! Oh.
2: Are you drinking early? It's not even twelve o'clock while we're recording. You must be drinking heavily already.
0: No, do you know what it is? It's just me blood boiling, getting ready for the season. Now this podcast has ah. really got the juices going. I think I'm gonna have to. Uh, I think I'm gonna have to bang on a bit. of Faper or something to sort of get me a little football fix after this. <laughs>
2: well, you've got your juices going. I hope that these two gentlemen have got their juices going for the upcoming season and that is Tammy Abraham and Callum Hudson Adoy. Now I will sort of discuss them in a little bit. And again, if you've got views on you know players, whether you feel they should be out of the club, get in touch. Blue podcast at gmail.com. But for me, Tammy Abraham was Marmite last season. You either liked him or you didn't. You know, he was fantastic on certain games. The Arsenal away, you know, with the, you know, just stunning finish, Wolves, you know. People, Wolves,
0: Norwich, Sheffield, Wolves, Norwich, Sheffield United. You know, games.
2: there is a goal scorer there. But for me, he's not a target, man. And in regards to Callum Hudson-Odoi, whether his head was turned with Bayern, I think we can all safely say it was. Yeah. And the fact that he wanted to go. At the end of the day, he's you know he is with us. He is on high wages. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, you know it's it's up to you to decide on that one. But for me, this is a big season for him. And you know this may be controversial. I think that this this season for Tammy Abraham and Callum Hudson-Odoi, this will define this season will define their Chelsea careers. They will either sink or swim. Because they have obviously looked at who we've brought in, who yeah. we are, who we've we've been we linked, linked with, to. and yeah, they yeah, uh, it, it it's up to them. They will either whine and complain to the manager that they haven't had any game time, yeah, or they will actually look at themselves in the mirror, knuckle down, probably their one hundred thousand pound mirror, yeah, but they'll probably have probably knocked They'll probably look look at themselves in the mirror. And look at, I need to get to that level. How can I get to that level? I need to work my bollocks off to get to that stage where he's putting Timo Werner on the bench for me or he's putting Christian Pulisic
0: on the bench for me. There are, I can't you know, see Odoi getting in the team. Uh, Hudson is well classed. Hudson Odoi is unbelievable. He's got so much talent. It's unbelievable. But he's had his, his head turned. He's not. Uh, in it, like you said, if he knuckles down and proves, me wrong, which I hope he does more than anything else in the world. I hope somebody brings this up in twelve months and says, "Oh, what is this big one about?" Like, do you know what I mean? Look at Callum now. I hope more than anything that happens, but I don't see him getting in the team ahead of Ziyech and Werner and Pulisic. Werner can play from the left. Pulisic plays from the left as well. Hudson Odoi prefers playing from the left. Ziyech is left-footed. You know, Mount can play out there. Ruben plays out there. I just don't see him. Just don't see it happening.
2: Callum needs to be injury free. For me. Yeah. He he yeah. He, he, need, he needs to have an he injury has had a free horrific season.
0: Injury. He has had a horrific injury.
2: And he yeah, at the moment for a for a kid he, and again, he is only a kid. You know, let, let, yeah, let's try put very it true. into perspective. I know there's a few a lot of doubters about Hudson. Are they Dye, all are? are.
0: They all are Pulisic and Werner and they're all very young as well.
2: Callum's a kid, he has suffered, you know, a few injury problems so far. If he has yeah. an injury free season, I think hopefully and I uh, do I do mean this, hopefully he will kick on and be the attacking player that you know we all saw in the under eighteens yeah, that yeah. he could produce At the you know, that starry was stupid enough to not play him in the early part of the season you know of his breakthrough season. we had to wait not to have developed months before, to wait
0: months. Months. oh yeah, I mean what was his i mean I remember. It was, I mean, we was basically begging for him to be brought in from about September. It was obvious that he was yes. ready to be pe- playing an, an awful lot more by yes. sort of September. We could see we could see the flow of the team wasn't right. We needed an injection of energy, something different. And Callum brought that to us. You know, he really changed it up a bit. But I remember one of his first games that he really started and didn't play too badly and was Tottenham away in the Carabao Cup semi-final. I actually went to that game. I got a six-hour coach on the day. He went to the game, rushed back across London and got a coach back through all night so I travelled for about 14 hours that day just to <laughs> see us lose 1-0 um but um he played in that game but that was like one of his first games everybody was like oh my god he's actually playing Callum like it was like oh my god we've got our finally whereas it seems like Frank and obviously not just to please us but it just so happens that Frank seems to be doing everything that please so when we want Mount and Tammy in the team last season and then we wanted Reese James to play more then we wanted Tamori to play more and they all did. Like, they all they all broke through. They all played. And that's the difference. That's the buzz that's around the club because it's just exciting. But yes. Yeah. He, yeah. I, 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 I would swap him for Sancho, personally. Sancho almost seems like a complete player already. It's unbelievable.
2: But <laughs> that's mostly because Sancho has been given the time to develop, whereas Hudson-Odoi has not had 10 games in a row where he has played. He's maybe played four or five then he got an injury, or he's played maybe another four, and then you know whatever same reason. I, he's think been on Ruben, the
0: bench. I think Ruben's the same. I think Ruben's been big season for that. Ruben. Absolutely, big, big big season for Ruben. Him and him and Barkley, their big seasons. Barkley's been very inconsistent. Bark. Well, just just to touch on that, I'll be very surprised if
2: Ross Barkley's there come October. Yeah. Um, but in regards to players,
0: I would be massively not, be disappointed. I wouldn't be hugely disappointed if he if he if he if he was to stay. I don't think I'd be like I don't think he's somebody that I'm like yeah I want him gone. But like yeah, I agree. I think he'll be. I think he'll leave. Christiansen. I think Christiansen will leave as well. The, yeah, it'll be interesting.
2: You know, again with what happens between now and the end of the transfer window. But you know, as this is the first episode and we this is a preview to the brighton game we're going to sort of touch on it just a little bit you know looking at the when the fixtures came out i was quite delighted that yeah. um the you know brighton came out you know, first game. I think that will no give fans.
0: us. I think I think it works well for us that we're away to Brighton and there's no fans. I think it works well for us.
2: I think that'll give us an indication of where we are at at this moment in time. I'm not saying Brighton's going to be a pushover, but as I said, no, no, you know,
0: definitely first day of the season, they'll be well up for it.
2: As a yeah, as a, as I did say earlier, they'll probably. I think the defense will be having sleepless nights thinking. I think, of,
0: I, think Dun- I think Duncan White would have wished that they both would have left this summer, like they was linked with leaving. Duncan to sort of Chelsea and White to Leeds I think they'll both say no I don't think White would want to be at Leeds they're Liverpool away first day but (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah like you said I think they will be having they'll be having night terrors mate for the next week even though it seems like Pulisic and and Zayek and possibly Chilwell are possible injury doubts for the first day, so maybe can come yeah. Apparently,
2: Rhys uh, James um, is an injury doubt as well. So there's
0: there's maybe sort of four or five that are doubtful. But I wouldn't you know, be bothered again, about Rhys James. Rhys James, well, I'd love to play every week. But when you've got Dave playing, it's solid. There's anything in it. Yes, I think
2: you know Dave has been an outstanding player for us. Yeah. You know, throughout the years. You know, but whether
0: or not is this his eighth season now? Eighth or ninth season?
2: 2012 we signed him, wasn't it? So, yes, yes. I mean, you know, it's just
0: been That's a magnificent signing. You know, it's getting close to a testimonial. And the only thing that would say I'd be disappointed about Reese James being out is if Chilwell and Reese James are out, if Chilwell was out, they would have just moved Dave over to left back and Reese James would have played right back. Um, as it is, we're going to have a very similar looking back five. I think that our back five is going to, at this first game against Brighton, is going to be basically four of the five are going to be the same as they were last season. Yes, which... Uh, there are there, We're playing Brighton Because they're not A massively expansive Like debut-
2: There are a lot of Chelsea fans that are Concerned with that yeah.
0: There are a lot of but Chelsea fans that are Chilwell, Concerned But then once Chilwell Or Rhys James Come back in I mean as Azpilicuatin never done too much wrong James never done too much wrong So once them two Come back in And if Chilwell Can get in there Then all of a sudden That's three of the Three of the five that, Even though they're Not all new players They're no problem Do you know what I mean Whereas at the moment We've got four of the five That were the problem Whereas once a couple Of players come back We've got three of them five that are no problem does that make sense
2: maybe he just wants to outscore teams maybe you know with Havertz and Werner you know
0: maybe just maybe maybe Frank likes 5-3 or 6-2 it's what it's what clock done until they signed Van Dijk and Addison. <laughs> which is what I think that is basically is what I think is going to happen next season I think that some Chelsea fans are I hope not from my heart I really think, hope not no but I think that a lot of Chelsea fans are expecting us to do everything right now, and I just don't think it's conceivable. I think that, I was talking to my friend the other day, and I think that he thinks that real life is like football manager, that you sell Babi Oko for £35 million and then you can spend £35 million pound on another player. It doesn't work like that. There's installments. No, there's pay for no, the time. There's, you know, it takes t- it takes, you've got to use that money to pay for something else, and then you've got to wait for something else to come in, because it's the financial fair play and it's, t- it's this. It's so complicated that we don't understand, so that, you know, it's the same as Liverpool. Liverpool went out and bought you know, like Salah and Firmino and Mane and like, built their attack and all the rest of it and then they got that going. They got, built their club around that and then they went and bought Van Dijk and Alisson. And I think that next season is when Chelsea will go out and sign one of the best centre-backs in the world and the best goalkeeper in the world and things like that. I think that it's more likely to happen next season. I think we've made our marquee attacking signings. I think we'll have to wait another year our defense signings, unfortunately.
2: Well, we shall see. But in regards to the Brighton game, you know, I think it's a good, good 4-1. way to start the season. You, you're going for four-one.
0: I'm going four-one. I, I reckon. Vermeer's is that because Pepe might be starting? So yes. we might as well so give one. them one so goal. One. Yeah, so one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that is exactly right. Last season, all my Chelsea predictions were whatever Chelsea were going to get, and then at least one. Um, <laughs> So, um, yeah, I can see, do you know what? I mean, I know it sounds like really sort of like cliche and almost like immature of me to say it, but I cannot say I think we're going to win 4-1 and I think Werner will get a couple. I think he's really going to hit the ground running. I'm really excited about seeing Werner that day. Um, for some reason, I just have this feeling there's going to be a penalty. I think that Chelsea play around the box a lot and we've got a lot of skillful players and Giroud linking up the play if he plays and stuff. So I've got a feeling there's going to be a penalty. Um, and there was two recently in our friendly game. Against them, um, and yeah, I can see a defender getting a goal. I reckon we're going to score for a header from a corner, which is something I don't remember us really doing last season.
2: You have really thought this through with your prediction, haven't you?
0: <laughs> oh yes, 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 yes. <laughs> well, I don't actually. I don't actually bet, but a lot of my friends do, and I, they do put a, a lot of things on. I do end up saying, like, I'll say, got a feeling there's going to be a red card, and then someone's going to score from a free kick or something silly like that, and it will kind of invariably happen. <laughs> It'll I'm be... not. I'm not advertising betting. By the way, I'm. Not no, no, no. no. Yes,
2: we're here. Here at the Blue Day Podcast, we're not. As advertising I said, I as betting I
0: said, sites. Absolutely, I totally agree. As I said, I don't. I don't bet myself. It's not something that I do. And we are um, not certainly not really...
2: advocating gambling either. If you have money, if you have free money to spend, save it up for a Chelsea ticket. Save yeah. it up to go to Leeds away or go to West Brom away. Well, have, I tell you what. Save.
0: Don't. Don't have a bet. Don't have a bet for a month. Save up your money, buy that fucking horrible kit, and burn the thing, and we'll put it on the podcast. If you wish to do that, please
2: email us at the Blue at gmail.com. We would appreciate uh, those delightful photos and videos. But with this Blue Day podcast, you know we do appreciate, hopefully, the feedback that we will get
0: from you. But all of it as well, negative or positive, negative or positive. If it, anyone, you know, if anyone's got any feedback about what they, if, if we could do some better or if we did something you know in inverted commas wrong or something that can be improved upon i certainly welcome constructive criticism or feedback of any kind so please feel free well said
2: what we're going to do now to uh, end the show we're going to talk about um our chelsea memories you know we're going to talk yeah. about you know something that why we became chelsea supporters you know what what was it you know, a particular game, a player, whatever it was that made us, you know, Chelsea fans. So, Warren, I'm going to start with you because you've obviously got the earliest of memories than me. Cast your mind back to, you know, the memory, you know, the the, like the first main memory that you had with Chelsea, you know, and, you know, talk about one particular game that made you fall in love with yeah. the club.
0: Yeah, Uh well thank you for letting me go first because this is the part of the podcast that I've been most excited about. Uh, this is the part of the podcast I'm most excited about, reading people's feedback and you know hearing their stories and their memories, whatever it may be. It might not be their earliest memory, it might be their favourite memory because I know that my favourite memory is not necessarily my earliest memory, for example. So I'm really excited to hear people's feedback about that, so please get in touch. Um, so my earliest memory is Chelsea against Coventry in 1989. And I say it's my first memory. I had what could possibly be memories or possibly what I've been told because I was literally two years old. So, I mean people very very vague memories from that kind of age possibly but it's sort of a bit too young for me to I couldn't pick anything out from the game having researched the game since obviously I know that we won 1-0 and you know um, my earliest proper memory of a game that I can remember traveling to the game with my dad. my dad my dad's been going to Chelsea since 1962 he was there for both cup finals against Leeds the one at Wembley and the replay at Old Trafford he went to the first game against Real Madrid in the 1971 Cup Winners Cup final, which we drew, and then he couldn't make it to the replay, which we won. Um, so I've got a lot of history, you know, me, and my me, my mum, my dad, and both my sisters all used to go to Chelsea as a family, all of us, you know, pub before and in the game. My mum was the designated driver. Um, so my first proper memory of a Chelsea game was with my dad, and it was Chelsea against Oldham, and I think it was like 1993, and Mick Harford scored a worldie from about 35 yards and I was sat on the benches in the West Stand, the old West Stand down the front. Um, the Save our Bridge sign was there and everything, you know, for the Chelsea supporters, uh, Chelsea Pitch Owners Club, um, and everything. And yeah, that was that was pretty cool. I remember it being quite loud. I remember the noise shocking me a little bit and making me almost a little bit nervous. And that was really good. But the game that made me fall in love with Chelsea. That the the game that made me, even at a young age, appreciate what my dad was trying to, the passion that my dad was trying to install in me, that he felt, and that you know my my elder my older sisters were seven or eight years older than me, so they had been going to Chelsea for a lot longer and they had experienced a lot of great games. Stuff my mum had been going to Chelsea since the late seventies. Tell you what, in the seventies and eighties, there ain't a ground she ain't been to: Hartlepool, Carlisle, you know, Grimsby, Lincoln. It don't matter; she's been everywhere. My old mum, and I tell you, she's a tough old girl, my mum. I tell you, proper Chelsea girl. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, um, in 1995, a lot of Chelsea fans forget that we had a an immense cup run in the Cup Winners' Cup in Europe, <clears throat> and we played Braga away, and thousands of people got, got, got deported from Belgium, and like we had some really interesting games but we played Rails Aragosta in the semi-final and we lost 3-0 away and then we came back to the bridge and unfortunately even though we, we won 3-1 but we was never really that close to winning the game because they equalised so we needed like five goals or whatever but I was in the Matthew Arden upper with my old man and it was before the game it was just there was something different in the air there was like a there was a tension in the air of like bubbling anticipation and before the game <clears throat> I remember that Stamford Bridge was quite full Quite early It was a good 15 minutes Before the game and the, gate, and the ground was full And everybody was Buzzing with excitement But there wasn't A lot of noise And then all of a sudden This geezer stood up In front of me With a flat right And obviously he was much I was only sort of Seven or eight years old So he was obviously a, a, He could have been In his 20s, 30s or 40s I don't know But he was a full grown man <laughs> And he just left And everybody Pulled off the most Spectacular rendition Of of carefree, wherever you may be, that I've ever heard in my life. My heart was racing at 600 miles an hour. The hairs, I I had no hairs on my arms, but I had goose. I've actually got, I wish this was a video, because, Keith, I'm not sure if you can see, I've actually got the hairs on my arms and I've got goose goose pimples thinking about it. And from that moment, and then like the announcer announced, and tonight your teams, please welcome onto the Picture welcome, loud and proud Chelsea FC and Raul Zaragoza And the whole place was absolutely bubbling Like the temporary stand was there The old west stand were there The Raul Zaragoza fans in the east lower Did not know what had hit them They mm, did not know yes. that 26, 000, 25 26000 fans Could make this much noise In this little part of West London It was absolutely fantastic And when their goalkeeper cleared the ball Onto Paul Furlong and we scored I've never, I've never, ever been scared at a Chelsea match before or since, but where we was in the top tier and where everybody was going, so, I mean, I think the term these days is limbs, right? You know, when everyone's going crazy, it was terrifying because I just thought I was going to get crushed and thrown off the top of the stand, like, it was just absolutely mental, it was just like, my dad disappeared, my dad disappeared, I turned around for like safety with my dad And he had gone running down the stairs With everyone else It was uh, I fell in love The next day at school Well for the next month at school It was all I spoke about And it was just Yeah it, I can't no, I don't think anything There's been game Like I said that I've got You know Bolton away in '05. I was there when we won the league I've seen us win FA Cups And European trophies and stuff But that was just Raw passion Like that's been Unrivaled since for me At Stamford Bridge I've never known Stamford Bridge To rock like that
2: well before we because um, what what we are going to do on the podcast we are going to um put up audio highlights of football matches so we have got if if, if you haven't sort of heard about the game or you haven't or you possibly don't remember yeah, about the game sorry, it was, we have the 1994,
0: nineteen ninety four nineteen ninety five cup winners cup run we made it to the semifinals and it was off the back we the reason we was in it was because we made it to the cup final against united they done the double because they beat us mm. 4-0 that's it so, <laughs> fantastic campaign the whole campaign was fantastic what we're doing on this podcast
2: is uploading audio highlights of certain Chelsea matches so for your pleasure we have put up um, the audio highlights of Chelsea versus Real Zaragoza uh, that is uploaded now fantastic
0: it's well worth a listen a couple of scores to clutch at.
3: Chelsea's Fine European record here at Stamford Bridge, never beaten, 15 wins, 3 draws. And Zaragoza's reputation as bad travellers. All charge down by Fulham, it's in! Now, is that the moment that the tide turns Chelsea's way? What a fabulous break. Paul Furlong, who throughout the tie, both in Zaragoza and here at Stamford Bridge,
1: has been strong and willing, has got his reward. Well, that is freakish, isn't it? I think Paul Furlong better go out and buy a lottery ticket tomorrow after that because Ron me trying to get it on his left foot. I mean, he, he made good contact and it just blasted against the head of Furlong. It was in the back of the net before all of us blinked and... That is just such a gift, isn't it? You just wonder if that is going to be the one that does turn it.
3: That's a lovely pass from Anagón to Pardesio. A little bit stretched here, Chelsea. Snyder's there but so too Clark now Nayin. Aragon and still there is the away goal that Chelsea just couldn't afford to concede Santiago Aragon equalises for Zaragoza on the night and surely puts them out of Chelsea's reach once and for all it's come nine minutes into the same half
1: well, that was a great bit of skill, wasn't it? Looked shaped to shoot. Three defenders turn their back slightly. He's dummies again. Fast makes the shooting angle and almost passes it into the corner of the goal. Great skill by Aragon. Two good feet. Shapes to shoot there. Swivels away from the three defenders. Thinks about it again there. And Frank Sinclair again jumps for the shot and just strokes it into the corner. Superb goal and really clinches the tie. Four more goals needed now. Actually, they've just uh, put Nigel Spackman at the back, and David Lee is going to be the one to stay in the centre midfield.
3: Furlong to Peacock. Oh, what a good effort and a good save by Me. We've had a few histrionics from the Zaragoza goalkeeper tonight, but we've had an excellent display of goal and shot stopping too. Here's Furlong, Sinclair, yes! 2-1 to Chelsea. Glenn Hoggles' corner set it up, not the best corner he'll ever take. But it found Furlong and it found Sinclair. And it's found a few smiles on the terraces. Chelsea back in front of the night.
1: More than anything, it's lifted the stadium and, and I'm sure the home side. A Comfortable header by Furlong sensible one and good swivel by Frank Sinclair six yards out He should have scored I suppose and now it should give that little bit of impetus I mean they still need three goals you can't see it happening But at least it lifts the crowd and and puts a, a little bit of pressure on Tarragosa Sinclair
3: Here goes Steen Referee says penalty no, it's goal kick, sorry. He pointed in the direction of the spot. A big cheer went up. I must admit, it
1: didn't look like a penalty to me. Just think he was keeping us on his toes. Uh, our toes there. I mean, it, it was going nowhere, was it, Mark It was just going to evade him, and then he just toe-ended it past the keeper and definitely looked for the pen, didn't he? and said, please, try to... A long distance there, didn't he, on his dive, but it wasn't long enough. Here's Steen again, and this time he has scored.
3: (laughs) The Furlong-Steen combination comes up with a third goal for Chelsea. Three minutes left to play. Two more goals needed, but whatever the final outcome of the tie, it's been a splendid effort from Chelsea tonight to beat a side of this quality on their own ground.
1: They have got a soft centre on crosses, it does well because it bounces up, but he uses his knee, just lobs it over one knee. They got the three goals, didn't they? But that Aragon goal at the other end makes such a difference. And in the end, it's going to be the Spanish side that go to the final.
3: That's it. It's been a bulldog performance from glenn Hobble's chelsea tonight but that three 0 deficit was just too much to make up they gave themselves hope through paul furlong's goal
2: well that was truly something
0: warren what did you think of that um yeah it was actually brilliant obviously it brings back so many memories and everything and it's just like i said it gets that it gets the blood boiling and everything and, and yeah um yeah, it brings back fantastic memories and, you know, memories with my family and stuff. Chelsea is a family club at the end of the day, and that's how I was brought into the, the Chelsea world with my family. So, yeah, it brings back very nostalgic memories. Yeah, thank you very much. Do you remember who was in the squad? Because I have
2: the first 11 in front of me. So let me just do it a little okay. guessing game. Do you remember who was in the team that night?
0: Wow. And who, and wow. who was the subs? So you put your... Jesus, the subs as well. So right, okay, as well. So we're going I have all the information we're going, in front of me. Was, we're going back to when I was seven years old, many, many sessions ago. Um, I'm not going to be able to name the 11 and the subs, I can tell you that. I mean, I do remember that Paul Furlong scored. Um, I do remember that John Spencer was in the side because he was one of my favourite players. Um, I'm pretty sure he started as well. So the players that I'm naming for now are the ones that I'm fairly certain started. So Furlong, Mark Steen, John Spencer. I would have said Dennis Wise would have had to have been in there, but for some reason I feel like Dennis Wise wasn't on the pitch, but he might but if he was fit he would have been in the team, he would have been captain. So I say Dennis. Um maybe an Erlen Johnson, maybe a Terry Phelan, maybe a Steve Clark, maybe a Dimitri Carini in goal, um, or Kevin Hitchcock, but then one of them would have been the... Um, some of them might be on the bench, you know, Phelan you know, Clark or someone like that. Gavin Peacock would have probably started or been on the bench. I think I said Mark Steen, Paul Furlong, uh I need a couple of more defenders and another midfielder. Really, um, Eddie Newton. I don't think played, but he might have been on the bench. Although he did have a horrific injury, I'm not sure if he was back from his broken leg at that point. Uh, apart from that, I'd be sort of guessing beyond that, but that, that would be my educated guesses. Okay, this is this
2: is the team. Okay, so there are some that you did pick out that were that, that were correct. So I will go through it in position order. Yeah, Kevin Hitchcock was in goal. Yeah.
0: Steve Clark. Yeah. Erling Jonsson. Oh, I'm oh, doing well. David Lee. Ah, oh, David Lee, penalty taker. Scott Minto. Oh, and I forgot, and I even said Scott Minto before this, before we started you said recording. Scott I said Scott Minto, yes, right, you and I did say Scott Minto, yeah.
2: Frank Sinclair.
0: Oh, Frank, yeah. Five at the back.
2: Gavin Peacock was captain that night. Right, yeah, Gavin Peacock, yeah. David Rowcastle. Ah, oh, he was a good player,
0: Dave, Rowe-Castle.
2: David Rowcastle. David Rocastle was uh, played. Nigel Speckman. Ah. Oh, see, because I had Wisey in there, I'm forgetting about him. No, w- was. W- 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 Wise was not in the team. Mark Steen. Yeah, Mark Steen, I said. And Paul Furlong. The two yeah. subs that came on yeah. was
0: John Spencer and yeah. Glenn Hoddle. Glenn Hoddle, player manager. Yes. Player manager? How did I forget? Do you know what? I knew John Spencer come on because he was. One of my, I remember him coming on, and he was number seven, John Spencer, um, and he was like one of my favorite. I seen him score a good few goals. I've seen him score a double against Liverpool at Stamford Bridge in like '96. We drew two all. I think McManaman got a couple as well. Um, yeah, John, I really like John Spencer. He's a really good player. But, um, um what? Who are the other subs? Does it say who the other subs were, or just who
2: came? Um, on? I will need to look at that, but I just, yeah. I've, I've just got the subs that um, came on. But yeah. one player that played for Wales, Azaragoffa. It's someone you probably would not
0: have uh, known Oh, I I know about Gustavo Poirier playing for Raul Zaragoza. He scored against us in the first leg. He weren't in that team. Was he not? No, he wasn't. I thought he scored against us in the first leg. He definitely played against us in Zaragoza. Oh, maybe he didn't play at Stanford Bridge, but he definitely played in the Zaragoza game. He wasn't in the
2: team, but I did when I was uh, conducting my research for the podcast, there was a young right-back by the name of Cafu. Really? That many people obviously know about from his AC Milan and his Brazil days, but he was Brazil, the right yeah. back for Real Zaragoza. Wow.
0: Night. I tell you what, right? If that's not worth a like, I don't know what is. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: we night, do our research here on the podcast. We
0: do indeed. We do. We, our, there you go. There was me thinking I was being clever, saying Gustavo Poirier and all the rest of it, and he was going to pull out a weldy like cafe.
2: So we hope you enjoyed that audio highlights. But obviously... Warren's gone through his um, earliest memories. Mine, a little bit more recent. Um, I just want to put it out there. I am not um, post-2004. I became a Chelsea fan in ninety-seven through the FA Cup final. My first kit was the auto glass with the white collar,
0: 97 98? 98 Yes. Um, still we won, we bit... won trophies with that. We won Cup uh, Winners' well, Cup, the cup, We won the
2: League Cup. The Cup Winners' Cup with that uh, kit, uh, arguably, in my opinion, still one of the best kits we've ever had at, at Chelsea Football Club, and I'm going, you know, throughout nice. the whole throughout the whole years, but yeah. to, um, this this is quite recent too. Uh, my biggest memory of Chelsea was what one, one of my earliest, and it's my it's my first game at Chelsea,
0: mm.
2: and it was back yeah. at April of two thousand and three. When Claudio Ranieri was in charge, we were, you know, fighting for the Champions League positions, which we weren't doing the season before or the season even before that one. Yeah. Um, Chelsea versus Bolton, 12th of April, 2003. I've even got the programme. I've, I've still got yeah. it. Nice. St- still got it. It's got uh, Graham Lasseau and John Terry on the front cover, hugging. The programme was three quid. It's quite amazing when you look back now. The prices are programmed, you know, they've now got, you know, people are uh, saying it's sacrilege that it's, you know, gone up by 50p. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so 350, it, it was three quid back in 2003. The team that day, then you know, these, these are some players that you might probably remember. Yeah. Carlo in goal. Yeah. By the way, happy birthday, yes. happy, happy belated birthday to you, uh, Carlo, 47. Mario Melchiot.
0: Mario Melchior.
2: JT. Marcel Desailly, who, in fact, as we're recording on Monday, it's his birthday today. So happy birthday, Marcel oh, Desailly. Happy birthday, Marcel. What a beast. Happy birthday, Rock. Graeme Lesseau.
0: Mm-hmm. Albert Bergerac at left back. Frank Lampard. Emmanuel Petit. Budwein Zenden. Yeah, Dutch player, decent player. Went on to play for Sunderland, maybe. Yes, he did, he did score against us
2: uh, Gianfranco Zola played uh, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank and Colton Cole were the two strikers in that game
0: Colton Cole So the man, who, the man who we recently learnt through an interview with somebody close to Abramovich, uh, that Roman Abramovich doesn't do business with Tottenham uh, The only player that has played for Chelsea and Tottenham well Chelsea and then Tottenham directly in the Roman Abramovich era is Carlo Cudicini, who left on a free transfer then went to Tottenham Carlton Cole had a medical at Tottenham we agreed a fee Abramovich heard about it and said no we do not do business with Tottenham (laughs) just a little quip in there just to show that Abramovich understands us fans because he is a fan and that's why he invests tens if not hundreds of millions of pounds in our youth squad for the last nearly 20 years and wants to build us a new stadium and buys Havertz and Werner and Lampard and all these other well he didn't buy Lampard to be fair but all these players had fantastic contracts and had all the opportunities it's all because of Roman and yeah going back beyond that Ken Bates and stuff I'm not neglecting that at all but where we are now he's he's just a fan and he hates Tottenham and he loves Chelsea and he's just he's one of the boys
2: If you wish to join the Roman Abramovich Fan Club, please contact my co-host Warren on Facebook. Try and find him on Facebook if you can, or he's bound to have an Instagram account.
0: But what we're going to do now... I have an Instagram account. I don't have Facebook. Maybe we'll have to leave the link. We'll have to leave the links in there for our social media. I don't have Facebook. We will sort something. Yeah, yeah. But what we're
2: going to do now, we're going to upload the audio highlight of that game uh, onto the podcast for your uh, enjoyment. So here it is. Even listening to that makes the hairs on my the back of my neck crawl up. I remember, you know, vividly going down on the tube, you know, because um, I've I think going with yes, well, what it East, was, I East Croydon trying to Wimbledon. No, 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 no. On that day, it was uh, from Bermondsey to Westminster, Bermondsey, and then Westminster to District Line. It was yeah. Westminster then to Fulham Broadway because I went yeah. with my. Aunt Uncle and cousins uh they surprised me we We went up I went up to see my grandparents that day. I oh. had no clue that I was going. I had no, no clue whatsoever. I was all for your
0: first game as well It was a complete
2: surprise to me um my mum when we traveled up to see my grandparents in Birmingham. my mum had a carrier bag, which she told me it was for um the grandparents. It was you know cakes and things like yeah. that. I come to find out that you know I was surprised with the Chelsea ticket and I've still got the Chelsea ticket. They come to find out that what was in the bag was my Chelsea shirt. No way, so yep. So you know, I was obviously ecstatic for me, that was you know, like Christmas. You know, I was like, my god, I'm going oh, yeah. to Chelsea, I'm going to Chelsea, this is brilliant. So you know, like a big kid, I didn't you know, I I weren't not that nuts. I didn't sort of put the socks and the shorts on and no yeah, not no, no. like that.
0: But no, I'm like John I mean, Sherry,
2: You weren't a folk no, <laughs> it no, 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 I I just had the shirt and I was just I was just buzzing. It was just you know that adrenaline rush when you oh, go yeah. to the game. And I think you know and having it related to to this present climate, I think a lot of people when they go to football, you know, post this COVID nineteen pandemic. I think they will have, They will get their buzz back. They will oh, get yeah. that buzz of walking towards the, the stadium. Novelty.
0: The novelty.
2: Oh. You know. Here, but, it's,
0: it's almost like hearing the roar of the crowd for the first time. Like, yes. you know, it's, it's like, you know, like you say, the first time that you walk down Fulham Boulevard, you know, you come off the tube, you come out there and you, know, you turn left and you're walking out the Fulham Boulevard, you've got all the stalls, you got all the fans, all the police, all the horses, all the You have the stalls, you have the smell of onions. You have the
2: guys yeah, selling celery the flying
0: around and just ah, it's just like it. it's and and then all of a sudden you'll just be walking down and it, and you won't be expecting it. You won't and it doesn't matter how many times I go to Stamford Bridge and I don't go to Stamford Bridge anywhere near as often as I used to. I'm strictly quite an away day fan now. I much prefer it for reasons that you know we'll discuss in the future. But that first roar when you're walking down Fulham Broadway and you just hear someone go Chelsea. Chelsea! Chelsea! And it's just, you know, you hear, and everyone joined, and it's just that roar. It just makes my heart jump up into my mouth.
2: Mm. I remember... So special. remember when I walked into, you know, the ground itself. I remember walking into it, and I had... Where did you sit? uh, Sorry,
0: Keith. Where did you sit? I
2: sat Matthew Harding lower.
0: Nice.
2: I sat Matthew Harding lower. It was about maybe five or six rows from the front, and it was was just fantastic. I remember the pre-match... Um, we went into I can't remember I can't remember if you can still go to it now, but it was inside the stadium. Um, we had fish and chips um, mm. sort of in this sort of bar restaurant area inside yeah. Chelsea, and we was watching the and I'll never forget it for as long as I live. It was the Newcastle Man United game. It was on at half twelve. It was the early uh, kickoff.
0: Yeah,
2: and Man United I think won six two that day. But I remember watching that.
0: Did Alan um, Shearer score
2: like a really fantastic free kick in that game? It was either, yeah, Shearer scored a free kick that game, or it might have been Jermaine Genus Maybe I think scored a, you know, a cracker as well for Newcastle. But uh, watching that, but I remember going for that to the megastore, the yeah. shop. Yeah. And for me, it was like a, it was like kid in a toy store. It was oh, just God. my eyes just went.
0: It was just like Wow and Do you remember was... the mopeds Do you remember the mopeds Hanging down off the ceiling They had like the Vespers The Chelsea Vespers Oh yes Because did you know Interesting quick for you Right Go on I don't know how long This is the case for But when they first opened The Megastore Obviously they were going to Open it at the start of the season For everyone to be able to go into But for the few months That preceded the start of the season When we first had the Megastore And we was one of the first clubs To have a Megastore You know um like attached to our stadium sort of thing. But when they first opened it for a couple of months, it was exclusive to members and season ticket holders. So, like, fortunately enough, me and my family, we, you know, we want some of the fortunate few to have, like, members and season tickets and stuff. So we went along and checked out the mega store and everything. And when we was in there, Ken Bates walked past with, like, a load of other, like, directors and executives and stuff. And my dad, who is ironically called Keith, of course, um actually went up to Ken Bates and said, excuse me, mate, you know you've got to be a season ticket holder to get in here. And uh, to which Ken Bates had a good laugh and shook his hand and everything. He was like, oh, yeah, nice, well, nice to meet you. What's your name? And everything he introduced himself, introduced him to uh, some of the um, executives that he was with and everything. And then sort of made on his way. There was only a little converse of sort of like, you know, 10 seconds, if that. But it was really funny just the way my dad's quite brash and upfront, shall we say. Um, and he just walked up. Yeah. Excuse me, mate. Nice only, you know, he's season ticket holders only. And Ken Bates straight away had a really good laugh of him. And it was really nice.
2: Brilliant. that's that's brilliant that's brilliant (laughs) but you know again the the pre-match atmosphere was just brilliant I remember standing on the Matthew Harding you know lower by my seat I remember just looking up and Mm. I was just amazed with the sight you know and again, back then, you know, I was... Players warming up. And- 13, I was just amazed. I was like, wow, I've, I'm finally here. Yeah. You know, a bit like this yeah. podcast, we have finally arrived. Yeah, it's taken and a bit I of
0: finally work arrived. It's at- taken, you know, Stand a lot, lot of bridge. excitement, a lot of nerves. Was you nervous? Was you really nervous? Did you find that you was, you know, like when you're a kid and you're going on a school trip or something and you don't really know what to make of it? And it's sort of like that trepidation of the unknown all- most, even though you know nothing unknown is going to happen, it's like
1: I, no, know, I, I get nervous. nervous now.
0: I get nervous now. So like, so on the day of the Brighton game, from two o'clock half to one, I will be, you know, I will get you know sweaty hands, and I'll be, you know, it'll be all I can think about. I'll be thinking about who's going to start, who's going to play. Is Kepa going to play well? Is he going to start? Is Willi going to play? Have we, you know, by the way we might sign a goalkeeper, or whatever, blah blah blah. Is he going to play? Is this person really injured? Like, what's going on? Are we gonna win seven nil? Are we gonna get beat three one? Like it's just I don't know. I don't I don't really enjoy watching Chelsea. <laughs> I love football. <laughs> I watch all kinds of football, but my nerves get my 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 passion get the better of me, and it just it really does it it it, it affects me. You know, big games. I mean, I, I don't sleep before big games very well. I
2: think when I was a kid I was just more excited. I think the the excitement overtook the nerves, you know. And for me I was you know I was I was a kid I didn't really really have nerves at that point. You yeah, was yeah, just it was, it was just sort of I was just shocked. I think the way it was
0: sprung on you. I suppose I suppose that's the difference. I suppose I had the anticipation whereas you were surprised with it.
2: Yes, it was just shock. It was just like, you know, when I woke up in the morning I weren't expecting
0: this and it was just Dream I was completely. just amazed.
2: Yeah, it was, it was just amazing. It was You're just amazing. You're thinking, I
0: hope we're be back from our grandparents in time to watch Match of the Day. Well, no, I, <laughs> I remember, I was hoping
2: to be home because uh, I, I lived sort of
0: on the outskirts of London. Not far. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: No, not far, you know, and I remember I sort of wanted to watch Match of the Day, you know, yeah. that night to sort of see the highlights of it and things and, it was it was just an incredible experience and i remember when colton cole scored i you know my arms were just going all over the place and you know hearing the chance of free f- and
0: pin out a socket yeah just
2: <laughs> hearing the chance of care free and you know I, so when um zolo uh, was taken off uh, cause I because idaga like johnson uh replaced him i remember that and you know the the, the crowd just cheering Good Johnson, and
0: you know, then like Zola goes without saying, but Good Johnson, what a fantastic. Yes, yeah,
2: you know, exactly. And you know, just sort of hearing that, and then obviously when the final whistle blew, it was just like, yeah, you know, just perfect end, just perfect end to the perfect day. And she
0: something we don't get no more. <laughs> Not today of Carlo and check. <laughs>
2: exactly. Exactly. We've never replaced
0: Check. You know how people say that Man United went through a lot. That until they found Van der Saar, they didn't replace Schmeichel, and then until they found De Gea for a few seasons, they didn't replace Van der Saar and blah, blah blah. we we've never replaced Check yet. We 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 we've not done a good enough job replacing him. No, no,
2: we haven't. No, we haven't. Maybe on a next, maybe on a future episode of the podcast, we might actually go through the spine of the team that we had once upon a time, and then we'll go through maybe the ins and outs of why we didn't pre-plan to replace them and why we decided not to go down the
0: route of planning long-term. But, you know, why we decided to get rid of the young players that were going to be the spine like De Bruyne and people like that.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. But ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you've all enjoyed, you know, going down memory lane with us, you know, going through the Chelsea archives of, you know, the matches that, mean a lot to us and we and for this season we will go through more matches that we've gone through you know some of them probably recent some of them will be from the 90s but we hope that you've enjoyed this first inaugural episode of the blue day podcast with me and my co-host here if again if you have any comments if you have any views if you if there's something that you that you agree with don't agree with or just what your views are. It's at the blue day podcast at gmail.com. And just to finish off, just for the ending, we've got a song to finish on. Warren, we have a song to finish on. So, okay, to this, sing is th- news,
0: this is news to me. Okay.
2: To, to sing us out today is an absolute classic and one that I actually had requested at my a wedding reception, much to the bride and her family's annoyance. <laughs> so, to sing us out today, ladies and gentlemen, it's harry j with the liquidator carefree everybody
1: is just a number but not when we use it for our community benefits plan it can be used to help deliver the promise of an education we'll empower young entrepreneurs through the creation of the Howard University and PNC National Center for Entrepreneurship and uplift small businesses with access to the capital they need in order to grow it's not just about dollars it's about change PNC